Celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Join over 4,000 senior delegates and top affiliates from all around the world alongside industry giants for an unforgettable iGaming Festival week. iGaming Next 2023. Contact our sales team for sponsorship opportunities. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of our Gaming Next Weekly News Live. I'm joined today by Nico, our regular co-host, uh, and also by the man for the big occasion, Mr. Pierre Lind, everybody. Oh my god. Big big build up, big disappointment. Uh, story of my life. But it's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Pierre. Um I've had a, a pretty stressful day covering these quarterly results and then the uh, the Gambling Act review white paper. So if I just suddenly fall asleep through exhaustion, it's great that you're uh, you're here to take over <laughs> if need be. Um, I, think, I think we need to give you like um, a, a free subscription of Red Bull or something, yeah, Jake. Yeah, that would <laughs> come in handy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my coffee to the side of me, so that'll do for now. Um, Nico, how are you doing? You're talking about your shirt off air. Um, Anything you want to tell the listeners about it? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's like the carpet. Uh, where was this LinkedIn post that uh, one of the uh, hotels, they kind of um, placed the 3D carpet, which just looks like you're uh, kind of, um, you know, falling into a pitfall. Uh, this uh, protects people from actually running uh, through the hallway. So it's pretty much the same for my shirt uh, today as well. So um all good. So um, it's it's a test. It's a it's an empirical study, and we just want to see uh, if this increases uh, like uh, commenting uh, on the show. And uh, yeah, maybe we will. Uh, I will just continue with this shirt as well. So fingers crossed. Nico, it's just an empirical study. I have a I have a question for you, Nico. Were you born without hair? <laughs> Indeed, I was. Indeed, I was. Right. Um, yeah, so as as. Um, I, I, I was born poor, that's why I'm Nico and uh, not Nicolas. So as soon as my hair is uh, done, um, I'm, I'm, able, I'm allowed, officially allowed by police, to take off the helmet 
So just um, kind of saving money as soon as I want to ride the motorbike. So all good, all good, right? I can spend the money um, somewhere else. Nothing can sleep anyway. You have like a, a pillow, a pillow full of hair. Basically. Anyway, that's a story for another day. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Dave. He's been grilled at the start of the show. <laughs> no, all good, all good. Used to it. Used to it. Used yeah, to it's it. a German origin. <laughs> Um, you're a good sport, Nico. And uh, if 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 Nico's shirt is making you hallucinate, guys, then please do comment in the chat and let <laughs> us know. Um, good to see some comments coming in already from uh, Bogdan. Um, thanks a lot for your support, Bogdan. You're always here. He says, time seems to be passing quickly. I can't believe uh, last Thursday was seven days ago. Tell me about it. I know exactly how you feel. Uh, <laughs> and hello as well to Katie, another regular listener, and to Elizabeth, our producer, who... I came through on my promise, and you'll see I've got a brand new microphone. <laughs> I finally oh, managed to set it up this week. It only <laughs> took me three weeks to plug the USB cable in. <laughs> yeah. Your voice is sick and smooth, uh, Jake. I love it. Yeah, well, first time for everything, Pierre. Um, we've got a hell of an agenda lined up for today. Um, but first of all, you know, I need to thank our sponsors, Place and uh, Antiolo Group, for, for making this happen each and every week. Um, let's have a look at the running order. Um, before we get into Nico's 10 and 5. So we're going to be discussing the Gambling Act review, obviously, which came out today, the long-awaited white paper. And then we've got some quarterly results roundups for you from some of the biggest companies in our industry, uh, Evolution, Kindred, Betson. Uh, the list keeps on going, really. But uh, be before we dive into those, Nico, do you want to take it away? Yes. So I will, I will start with one of the topics we will just uh, discuss in deep, uh, which is um uh, about the white paper uk gambling white paper to limit maximum online slots uh, slot stake based on age bands so the uk government's gambling white paper ex is of course expected to have major impact on online operators according to the times with the maximum stake for online slots machines being split into two age bands so Two pounds for those under 25 and 15 pounds for those who are older. And as said, we will just leave it with this as we will discuss this later on. Heading over to the US, the majority of, of US gaming executives have a reserved on future outlook for the iGaming industry. Within an American Gaming Association, short AGA survey, 60% of gaming executives were asked uh, to get uh, uh, no characterize current business conditions as good, while 35% as satisfactory. This compares with expectations of future performance, with only 20% of expecting conditions to be improved, while 30, uh, 64 said that the environment would broadly be the same. So no uh, change in state quo. Then staying in the US, the NFL suspended five players for breaching gambling policy. So based on, as we all know, the NFL Network Insider, Ian Rappaport, that league suspended the, uh, the following five, the Lions receivers, Jameson Williams, Quinton Cephas, Stanley Berryhill, and safety CJ Moore, and from the Washington Commanders, the defensive Jake Tony. So while Williams and Berryhill received a six-game suspension, Cephas, Moore, and Tony will all suspend it indefinitely and can apply for reinstatement after the 2023 season. 
An official spokesman said a league review uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way. So, welcome to the sports betting world as well. Shout out to the NFL. So, Las Vegas Sands, they signed a pre preliminary 99-year lease for their New York location. As we all know, um, there are three casino licenses uh, where you can apply for New York. And this is what we all speak about. So Las Vegas Sands, they struck an agreement with Nassau County, New Jersey, uh, New York, under which the gaming operator gains control of the 72 acres land in Unidale of Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale. So the Memorial Coliseum used to be the New York Islanders home arena until 2017. And as said, Las Vegas Sand are securing their place in the run for the casino licenses in New York as well. Same topic, Mohegan is seeking to boost their New York casino bid odds by pledging local businesses support as well. So as said, Mohegan is pledging to support local small businesses and already signing up loyalty programs partners in the Big Apple as well. So they would develop and operate a casino portion of a complex which will host more than 1,000 rooms, two residential towers and substantial green space. So we will just, we are thrilled to see what will happen next. Then still staying in the US, Yahoo! acquired the social sports betting app Wager. On Tuesday, Yahoo announced that they acquired Wager. It is, it, it is a three-year-old social sports betting startup based out of Nashville. Unfortunately, the terms of the deals were not disclosed, but to give you some insights, Wager, they already raised more than $16 million in funding from notable investors, including um, the New York VC firm Greycroft, Alexis Ohanian's 776, uh, the Tinder co-founder Justin uh, Mateen, and the Craft Group as well. So probably we will touch down what's next for Yahoo as well. Staying in the M&A and funding round, Rivalry, they received the funding of 7.3 million US dollars in investment round led by uh, Pinnacle. GAN are about to receive a 30 million private loan by Beachpoint Capital Man uh, Management, a Los Angeles-based investment manager, which has made a 30 million private credit investment into GAN as the group looks to drive improved shareholder returns. Then two more to go. A survey suggests that more than half of Germans and Britons favor total ban of gambling ads. So based on a survey, of um, roughly 1,000 adults, um, it turns out that 59, uh, 57% uh, um, represented are in favor of a general advertising ban on gambling. Staying on the same topic, we had the same poll by the University of Bremen in Germany representing 12,000 people. Um, and this uh, survey found out 
that 85% of non-at-risk players stated that uh, there are no changes in their gaming behavior based on advertisements during Bundesliga matches, while, and now it gets interesting, 42, 41.2% uh, of already addicted players or being in the verge of becoming addicts, addicts change their betting behavior based on the ads. So as a result, if you want to take out or guide people which have um, implications of um, addictions, you force them um, or you kindly move them into the regulated markets, which is a good thing. And last but not least, Tipster are about to surrender their MGA license uh, due to um, the things which um, had happened last week, Thursday. There are rumors going around about why uh, Tipster had been investigated. And um, yeah, it's quite interesting what comes out. But as long as we don't have facts on uh, the news um, channel, we can't discuss this. So these are my 10 and 5. Smashing job, Nico. Thank you very much for those. Great to see some iGaming Next stories uh, in amongst that roundup as well, as always. Um, and obviously the first, you know, the first story you touched on there was about stake limits as part of the gambling review. Um, and those kind of broke overnight as some of the national newspapers um, got a leak of, of the final document, although it seems to have changed again almost. Um, and we've, we, you know, we've been waiting nearly two years now for this white paper to be published by, by the UK government. Uh, and finally, the the kind of initial draft of it was was published today around lunchtime. Um, so I think us and the rest of the trade media and the national media have all been kind of trawling through that document to try and find out uh, what's changing, uh, what the biggest changes are, etc. Um, Pierre, I think you've probably been you know following this to a degree as well. Um, I can obviously run through some of the, the major changes, but did anything kind of leap to your attention straight away? Well, I think um, actually what is interesting is how the markets reacted to this news. Uh, so uh, obviously the, the, um, this um, re regulation seems to be favoring the land-based casinos uh, quite heavily. Um, but actually both Entain and Flutter uh, reacted positively on the markets with uh, something like three percent up on the on the release of the news uh, essentially uh, so it seems actually that uh, the markets are quite happy uh, about the regulation or rather they were i i suppose that um, there wasn't anything disastrous that uh, was announced today that wasn't expected let's say um so from that perspective uh, i think um the 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 um Kind of the industry kind of took a sigh of relief to some extent. Uh, it sounds like by, by the reaction of the markets. What, what do you make it of a of a Jake? Like what what are like the major points? Would you say? Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. I think the the licensed operators will be really pleased with what they've seen in the white paper. They've you know managed to avoid a lot of the worst case scenarios. Um, for example, you know banning VIP schemes, and it sounds like there's. A lot more consultation still to come, so these these could all still be subject to change. But I think the reason the share prices haven't moved too much or have even reacted positively is because we've known about a lot of these um, changes for such a long time that they've already been factored into the share price. Uh, let's just look at the changes quickly then. So the biggest one probably is the new 
new stake limits for for online slots. Um, so they've committed to a default maximum stake of between two and fifteen pounds per spin, um, and it's likely to be limited to two, between two and five pounds for those between the ages of eighteen and twenty-four. So you know that's obviously the biggest kind of black and white rule change for the online casino operators. Um, again, though, I think a big reason the share prices didn't move off the back of that news is because most UK licensees have already implemented these state caps on on a voluntary basis. Um, I think Flutter's capped at ten pound for online slots. I think eight 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 said recently it was the lowest in the UK industry at between sort of five and ten pounds. So the fact that it could go up to fifteen pounds even for over twenty fives might be might be a benefit to these operators that they that they weren't you know weren't previously expecting. So I think that's probably the headline takeaway from today's review um as well as something which has been much discussed which is obviously on the topic of affordability checks which uh, the government has now seemingly changed to player protection checks wasn't, it- uh, Jake, wasn't, wasn't there one of the politicians uh, who said that affordability checks is not uh something like it's too intrusive like it's not that just do you think it's like optics here that they just want to that they are just changing the uh, uh, the way they yeah. phrase it for that reason? I think it's exactly that. I think that was Chris Philp, who was one of the million gambling ministers we've had since the the review was announced. But um, yeah, I think it is an optics play because the you know conservatives are a kind of you know obviously a right leaning government and they've been accused of nanny statism by you know gambling stakeholders and sort of harder line. Tories and I don't think that's how they want to be viewed so you know they don't want to put themselves in a position where they're telling people how they can spend their money um so if you rebrand it to you know player protection checks then it sounds like you're protecting the the consumer so there's likely to be less pushback there um but if we look at exactly the levels that they've discussed so it's worth saying pretty much everything in the review is still subject to a consultation. So even after two years, we don't have definite guidance. But the Gambling Commission is going to consult on these two forms of uh, financial risk checks, as they're being called now. So background checks at a moderate level of spend, which is £125 net loss within one month, or £500 within one year. So that's not very much at all. Um, but what the government said is that these checks at those levels will be really non-intrusive and they'll occur only in the background as if you, you know, any sort of e-commerce business was conducting a consumer check. Like you're not going to know about it as the customer. So I think they've allayed some fears in that respect. Um, and then the second threshold, which is where the more intrusive detailed uh, checks do kick in, is going to be set at £1,000 net loss within 24 hours or a £2,000 net loss within uh, 90 days. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and, and so it seems, again, that like the, the industry uh, kind of lives to see another day in the UK. But, uh, Jake, I'm really curious to know... Um, the the uh, the stake limits uh, that uh, the government has announced uh, is, do we know by heart uh, comparatively to other markets uh, and the regulators that have uh, limited um, 
limited other markets, like uh, what those stake limits are. Like uh, in Germany, for example, there's stake limits as well. Uh, what are those in comparison, Nico? Do you know by heart? Yeah, I know, I know by heart. So first of all, uh, the, the the limit per spin is one euro per spin, which is uh, way less than we have here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, 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 exactly. And in Germany, you have a deposit limit. A deposit limit based on the vertical. So for sports betting, uh, you can increase the monthly deposit limit up to 30,000 euros, which applies to 1% of your uh, player database. And they need to provide, you know, or uh, it, it's called the um, extended due diligence on the customers. They need pro pro uh, to provide source of wealth, uh, background checks, etc., which is quite offensive, uh, to be honest. In between... Uh, or 1,000 euro deposit limit is, is the regular, is the normal. And if you want to increase it um, up to 10,000 uh, euros, um, which is also doable just for sports betting, uh, not for slots, not for, uh, for poker. So just for sports betting, you can increase the monthly deposit limit. And then you also need to run the uh, extended due diligence on your customers as well. So this, this is the comparison to the, to the UK. As said, it's a right. deposit limit not the uh, net loss uh, uh, limit, which uh, I'm pretty sure the calculation is uh, um, in between what the customer won during the month and what he lost, what he has deposited, etc. I didn't see, uh, take a look at the uh, formula on how you can calculate the thing uh, or the net loss limit in the, in the UK, but I'm pretty sure it's uh, something around uh, winnings and uh, deposits. Right, right. So, so kind of in, in summary, you know, if you see the uh, regulatory changes in Europe that has been taking place over the years, uh, comparatively, it feels like the industry uh, came away uh, fairly, in, fairly intact, essentially, as a summary with, uh, with the UK updated regulation. But we are so used to being beat down constantly as, a, as an industry, as, uh, uh, even though it uh, puts further restrictions, it uh, kind of feels like a, like a win for the industry in some sense. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think obviously the way the industry was acting maybe four or five years ago, uh, this is a, a really significant change. But because it's been such a slow process, obviously it's been communicated by the government, like the gambling commissions come in with a lot stricter stance than previously. Like operators, they've kind of taken note of that and have been doing this stuff anyway. So it's, it's not as much of an overnight change as they might have expected. But there are still some negatives in there. I mean, there's going to be, um, it sounds like there's going to be a clamp down on, on bonusing as well. So, you know, free bets and, and free spins, although they've not provided any uh, guidance on what those, on what that might be. But yeah, overall, I think there's probably more, you know, more pluses for the industry in here than there are uh, negatives. I mean, there was talk, obviously, that the Gambling Commission would get more enforcement powers, and it is going to, but they're going to be pretty much exclusively used to to combat the black market, um, which is obviously a great thing for, for licensed operators. Um, and then, as you alluded to, Pierre, that it's super favorable to, to land-based um, gambling operators as well. There's like pretty much wholly positive for, for casino venues. They're able to branch out into sports betting. They can increase the number of gaming machines in their venues. Uh, they can offer credit to overseas VIPs. So it's pretty much a liberalization of the, of the land-based sector. And you talked about share prices and, uh, and rank group 
which is a massive land-based operator in the UK, which uh, runs the, the Groves and the Casino venues and the and the Mecca Binga venues. Their share price went up by six percent, um, which I think is the biggest climb of any UK licensed operator today. Right, right. makes sense. Uh, I, I can see that uh, Phil has a, a more pessimistic uh, comment uh, here uh, to us. What, what what do you make of of uh, this deck? Uh, I haven't read it yet, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, saying basically. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I can see what he's saying. He's so th these checks, you know, that are being conducted in the background aren't without a cost, I suppose. So if they're not doing those in house, then then it, you know it's going it's going to be a costly process for them, and and not a particularly fast one as well. Um, there's some comments there on Germany as well. German players have vanished to offshore. Um, I don't think we'll see a similar situation in the UK where where customers go um to offshore operators i think the the license market still offers you know a, a, a good customer experience overall i think this will affect uh you know sort of high stakes punters and 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 regular punters those people that you know are super into their horse racing and everything else um but for the sort of recreational pus, uh, punter that a lot of the biggest companies in the uk are targeting at the moment i don't think they'll notice too much uh in the way of of intrusive checks or or account restrictions but you know phil's phil's a much bigger baller than i am so he might notice it more <laughs> yeah, just to uh, just to back uh, back what uh, uh, phil already uh, stated so uh, based based on the numbers and comparing uh 2021 with 2022 just on the uh, sports betting handle in germany we see a decline, although we had a World Cup in 2022 of 18%, right? And this pretty much backs up what uh, Phil is uh, talking about with players and handle actually moving uh, towards the, um, uh, the gray market or the, bla the black market. And we should not forget one thing. The tightier regulation actually becomes they the more they advertise uh the the black market so and i'm pretty sure this this just uh, played a significant role for the uh, white paper in the uk as uh, as well just based on the um on the uh, maximum stake per spin uh in germany which is um cutting a long story short um there's some room to improve yeah absolutely nico um, interesting comment from Bogdan in the chat as well about one online company which has uh, implemented new mandatory loss limits um, for, for particularly young customers between the ages of 18 and 19. Uh, it be interesting to know which company that is, Bogdan, uh, if you want to share that with us either on here or, or privately. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, we could sit here and uh, talk about the gambling review all day, I think, uh, gents, but we can't, sadly. So should we move into uh, into some of the... The big financial results of this week. Yes, it's Christmas <laughs> and birthday at the same time. Here we go. Yeah, Pierre's just been uh, nervously hoping the the clock would tick faster so we could get to uh, get to these results. Evolution is coming up, um, but I think the best place to start is probably with Kindred Group, as obviously their results were announced alongside some uh, some pretty significant news that their board uh, would explore a sale of the whole company, um, which came as a bit of a surprise to, to probably their management team. I think I was supposed to have a, 
a phone interview with Henrik Chanstam, the CEO, at 8am uh, on the morning of the results, and that got cancelled the night before. And I was thinking, I'm sure there's something more to this than uh, than meets the eye. Um, so he might have only got that news at, at the last second as well. Um, where do you, what, what was your first reaction to this, Pierre? We know there's been obviously a board member that's been pushing for, for a sale for a little while now, but were you surprised? Right, so it's um, it's the largest shareholder of Kinder, an activist uh, uh, investor who is uh, pushing for the sale of Kinder. Essentially, they they feel that this is the right time. Um, I mean, I'm more curious to understand who would actually buy Kinder at this point in time. It would seem that you would look on the American side, um, just like MGM acquired Leo Vegas in order to kind of expand their uh, geographical footprint. Uh, are there any other candidates in the U.S. who would uh, potentially be interested in, in acquiring Kindred? Uh, we've talked about this since the inception of the podcast, since the beginning of I Give Me Next, that Kindred is the company to acquire for a uh, American-based, uh, either land-based or online operator to, uh, to expand their geographical footprint. Like an enormous amount of knowledge uh, within Kindred, uh, experience, reasonable priced company, um, so on and so forth. Uh, obviously, they have been building vertical technology, vertical integration technology. You know, they seem to build. They seem to build something that is ripe for acquisition. But looking at the market today, you know, the dust has somewhat settled on the North American market, and there isn't really that many potential buyers out there anymore. But but I would actually highlight uh, DraftKings as one potential uh, acquirer. Uh, in this point, um, I think DraftKings obviously previously have been trying to acquire m uh, a couple of years ago when DraftKings share price shot in the sky. Uh, they tried to basically uh, acquire m uh, through the massive uh, valuation of the company and, and, and leverage that to, to acquire m That is uh, That fell through eventually. Um, and you would imagine today then if uh, DraftKings uh, would be interested to kind of look elsewhere than only the United States and Canada, that, uh, that Kinder would be uh, a good, suitable uh, acquisition target. Um, you know, uh, they, they, they have like a 2.5 billion euro market cap, uh, Kinder, in comparison to the 10 billion market cap of, of uh, DraftKings uh, currently. Uh, that's pretty much like, that's pretty much the only kind of suitable acquirer that I can see today. If it wouldn't go in the hands of private equity and uh, and you take like a private equity investment firm would take Kindred off the stock market. Um, that's another uh, potential argument as well that Kindred is uh, pursuing regulated markets only, more or less. Like that's the target, right? To derive as much uh, revenues as possible from regulated markets. Uh, but maybe a private equity company that could take Kindred off of the stock market uh, could pursue a bit more aggressive uh, strategy in order to increase revenue uh, through Kindred. Uh, so, so that's my immediate reaction just in regards to the sale itself. Um, yeah, interesting. So DraftKings, uh, Pierre thinks, is a, is a credible candidate. Um, I'm not so sure about DraftKings. I think just because they are so US-focused and they're making serious momentum in terms of uh market share and also uh i, I got a newsletter from from islas and crycheck just before we came online that suggested that DraftKings are actually now becoming the number one operator in the us for iGaming as well and overtaking for mgm 
Um, oh, oh. So I think they're, you know, they're optimizing and they're, they're, they're working really well towards strategic goals. I, I think maybe an acquisition of that kind would be a bit, possibly a bit of a spanner in the works at the moment, um, just when they're sort of tilting the scale on the way to, to profitability. Um, but our good friend uh, Alan Bowden on, on Twitter, luckily, has uh, has already come up with a solution to this question. Uh, I think we've got the screenshot to, to show you here. Uh, there you go, Pierre. You'll be pleased to know he's already completed the strategic review for Kindred. Uh, sell the Western European, Danish and Swedish business, Unibet and 32 Red to Flutter or Entain. Keep the platform uh, and run the remaining grey Nordic and Euro stuff as a private management, private equity buyout. Uh, Anders didn't really want to retire anyway. And then he's obviously talking about Anders Strom there, who uh, was the founder of both Kindred and Canby, who sort of stepped away from the business in 2021. Um, so, yeah, potentially he could lead a, a kind of private equity spin out of, uh, of the Kindred business. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's definitely one theory, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you, you, were, you were so right, though, about Kindred's regulated mix and focus on regulated markets. I, I think for Q1, which we're talking about, their um, share of revenue from regulated markets was 81%, which is really high, higher than most of their competitors. But despite all of this, like, they're still going to be quite unattractive as an M&A prospect because Norway is a really significant market for them. And it's, it's not regulated. It's super um, anti-unlicensed companies and protective of the monopoly. So I think for any company in the US particularly that is interested in compliance, that's going to be a massive red flag. Um, and they're sort of in this difficult position where, you know, they focused really hard on, on regulated markets and they've enjoyed none of the upside from emerging markets, but a yeah. sale could still be affected by the fact that Norway is kind of, you know, dragging, proving, yeah. a, proving and, a drag. And, and similarly, when Leo Vegas was acquired by BetMGM, uh, Leo Vegas also had to pull out from a lot of uh, the unregulated markets, right? So we saw the last report that, uh, that Leo Vegas uh, announced, uh, they obviously have dropped a lot in in in, in GDR and, and revenue uh, since before the acquisition for that purpose that they have actually needed to pull out for markets. Um, also, just a, a quick uh, detour here as well. Katie is asking if uh, Betson would be one of the um, potential acquirers of Kindred. Uh, I think it's that would be kind of a hard no. Um, Betson today is much smaller in terms of market cap, revenue, uh, so on and so forth, than Kindred. So uh, Betson is about 1.5 billion euro market cap versus Kindred 2.5 billion. So it's not, I mean, it's not unheard of that you do reverse takeovers, uh, right? But in in this case, uh, I I don't think um, Betson would be. Betson is a quite conservative company. They do their own thing. Um, they are doing really well. They 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 are pursuing their growth markets. And um, yeah, never say never, right? But uh, I think that would be one of the more unlikely uh, acquisition uh, targets potentially. Yeah, that's pretty much what they said at uh, 888 PLC taking over William Hill uh, when the uh, way smaller fish actually, um, yeah, it's dealing with uh, biting uh, a portion of the of the bigger fish. But I would I would just um, suggest another name and just based on the conversation uh, Jake we had last last week. Um, what about Yahoo? 
first of all, they are one of the three biggest uh, daily fantasy sports um, companies after uh, the regular suspects of FanDuel and DraftKings. They just bought Wager as well, and they just need to extend their revenue stream with a final uh, sports betting offering as well. Last week, we uh, talked about numbers, if I'm not mistaken, in Ontario uh, DraftKings was able to convert roughly 60-65% of their own users to become active punters. And I'm pretty sure that even Yahoo might be thinking about, okay, so we have a massive user basis of daily fantasy sports um, persons, and we just want to extend the revenue stream. And I'm pretty sure their pockets are deep enough to just uh, spend some money off the um, boys and girls being eager to continue their journey to zero. Well, we'll be, we'll be happy to invite the CEO of Yahoo to the podcast whenever that announcement uh, comes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what no that, that prediction is what we call a long shot in, in gambling, Nico. Um, but could happen, could happen. <laughs> could happen. <laughs> or Phil Pearson's uh, theory here that uh, Evo decides, uh, fuck it, uh, Let's put this RNG side of it that isn't working as well aside unless it's going to be B2C and acquiring Kindle. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's the perfect segue as well. If if we move on to, to evolution now, um, we can talk about the numbers and, and some of the news angles in a second. But Martin Carlson, the chief executive, was actually asked on, on today's analyst call about M&A um, and whether evolution would ever kind of branch out into you know, maybe non-casino verticals like sports betting or would it acquire another company in the space? Um, he basically said no. <laughs> he said, um, he said we want phenomenal... <laughs> yeah. He said we want phenomenal hardware combined with software um, and they bought that DigiWheel business, uh, which was kind of a, you know, a spinning wheel that they could add to their live casino portfolio. And he said, you know, if we wouldn't hesitate, we wouldn't hesitate if we could find that type of acquisition again. So I can't see that happening. There's been a bit of talk of them buying Camby as well in the past to expand into sports betting. But um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. That's for sure. I mean, it seems like they they need to focus first and foremost on getting the RNG side of the business to. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's jump into that then, then Pierre. Do you want to do you want to explain to our our listeners? because obviously we talk in quite right. glowing terms about evolution and their reports speak for themselves, but you know it's not not all sunshine and rainbows to borrow a phrase from yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, I I I like in the spirit of like not uh, like putting myself on a pedestal. I like to read the quarterly reports before the markets open and before I read any commentary, and then just guess whether. The market's going to react positively or negatively, and um, I can I can say that I'm right about half the time, which is basically it's just really unpredictable. Uh, the market's going to react very differently to what you think, even though you think that you read a report and you have all the answers. But in this case, it was really difficult actually to understand how the markets were going to react to this report because there are two stories in this report that are uh, conflicting against each other. So on the one hand you have an overall fantastic financial performance. Uh, Evolution beat all the analyst expectations on all metrics. Okay, it's a great report from, from a financial, purely financial point of view. Uh, however, then the other side of this coin is the fact that uh, this is the first uh, sequential quarter 
where evolution decreases the R&D revenue. So on the, on the live side of the business, they have two arms, right? They have live and they have slots or RNG as they, as they call it. So the live side is performing incredibly well. Uh, that is the bread and butter of, of evolution. It's always been, they have a near monopoly and they are doing great. Um, but then this promise of uh, the RNG side of the business uh, to become a substantial part of the revenue mix has not come true yet. It started with the acquisition of NetBand. Uh, it continued with, um, with uh, the, the acquisition of No Limit City, uh, Big Time Gaming. Uh, but uh, they haven't been able to increase revenue. They have bought revenue, right, when they have acquired this company, but they haven't been able to increase the revenue organically in these companies. And this is always the big question mark in these reports. Uh, if uh, Evolution is going to be able to reach this double-digit growth on the RNG uh, segment as they are uh, setting out the goal to be. But this quarter, they actually decreased the amount of revenue in the uh, RNG segment compared to Q4 of 2022. Uh, and so that's a significant kind of um, uh, downturn for Evolution, like uh, a, a, really, a really big negative in the, in the column here. Uh, in, a, in an otherwise overall fantastic uh, report. And, uh, you know, I, I was looking at some comments and I was speaking to, uh, to Phil here uh, a little bit uh, previously. And, uh, you know, Phil points out uh, that uh, the games that are being released, the revolution, are just not, are just not that great anymore. Um, he's saying that the, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the graphics are not, uh, like, incredible compared to the competition competition, the games are just not super exciting. And I, I heard another comment uh, as well that uh, it's not only about the games, but also uh, about the account management, that uh, account management from their rivals, from their competitors are much more aggressive. So other uh, suppliers would be much more aggressive with their campaigns, uh, with the kind of outreach operators, ensuring that they are always uh, promoted on the front page, uh, so on and so forth, so that the games are much more visible at times than what Evolution are. Obviously, Evolution also charges much higher prices than uh, their competitors like Pragmatic and so on. And as a final point, at the same time as we are seeing a slowdown with um, uh, Evolution's RNG segment, there's growth within their competitors like Pragmatic, Relax, uh, and Light and Wonder. So um, that makes you, of course, wonder what is the future of their RNG segment in Evolution and what should shareholders expect as we go into the future should they kind of accept the fact that um, live will always remain like 90 plus percent of the total revenue mix uh, or will evolution be able to grow uh, and kind of balance that revenue mix between live and ONG from uh, at, 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 uh, at some point that's that's the summary that i as i see it at least yeah and i think it's worth Touching on Evolution's uh, own internal targets for for RNG, which is which is double digit growth um, from the division. Um, you know they've they've said that they need to improve and that the, that timeline is not linear. Um, and the CFO said in today's call that he doesn't see a turnaround happening in in Q two or Q three. Um, so you know this could be this could be some time off um, for them to for them to get that right, but. Interesting comments from from you and, and both Phil. I'd be interesting to know who's doing slots really well right now because if they're an independent studio, then they might become you know an acquisition target for for the likes of of Evolution or, or somebody else. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we're not the only people to have spotted this this decline and not decline, but um, yeah, sequential decline in RNG. So Paul Leyland of, of Regulus Partners, um, who's a great gambling analyst who we reference quite quite often, uh, he described the the slots performance this morning as anemic, uh, and he said evolution has still not worked out how to turn around NetEnt, and even a string of better quality slots content acquisitions has achieved nothing more than filling a hole. Uh, it's a tired content library sold at dot-com prices and remains something of a millstone in our view. Uh, so yeah, pretty much everybody can see can see what the uh, what the red flag is for Evo. Yeah, and I hear as well. Uh, you know, I I definitely don't have great insight in this, but maybe uh, uh, Phil can help us in the in the chat here. But what I hear as well is that uh, uh, the kind of the traditional massive uh, netland hits, like uh, for example, uh, um, Starburst. Uh, that alive and so on, that uh, they are now kind of falling from grace. Uh, so say that uh, they've been they've been on top and they've been a player's favorite for many many years. And obviously these are kind of aging uh, RNG games, but they are now kind of starting to fall from grace. And potentially uh, that would be part of the reason as well why uh, why we see a slowdown on the RNG side as well. And if uh, Evolution is not able to uh, produce new games on the RNG side that uh, that brings excitement then um, the question is like, how long can they survive out of the kind of legacy titles? Um, it would be great to have Phil's comment on that side as well, if you see its relevance. I see as well a comment from uh, Lars Nilsson uh, here, uh, who's asking, like, does it matter that much that, uh, that RNG has no success? And I would definitely say that, yes, it does matter, uh, because uh, when Evolution embarked on, on uh, this acquisition spree uh, a couple of years ago, it was very much with the backdrop of this is going. This is now going to be the major revenue uh, driver in the company. And if we look at organizations like Pragmatic Play, uh, they generate a similar amount of GDR as Evolution. Uh, only difference is that uh, they do that pretty much only via their RNG segment, right? So if you get that segment right, it's a it's a huge revenue driver for the company. Right, and that is what the investors were hoping: is that this will add to the revenue mix and add to the organic growth of the company in order to justify these really high share prices, like we saw two years ago, uh, when uh, Evolution was trading at a PE ratio of like seventy or something like that. So uh, investors were expecting, obviously, the RNG side to become a much bigger success than it was. Um, and if Evolution can turn this around and um, they can start growing the RNG segment, like what we saw with Relax Gaming, for example. In, um, in the quarterly report of Evolution, oh, sorry, the quarterly report of Kindred, is uh, Relax Gaming, um, which is uh, exclusively producing slot games, increased revenues by almost 100% year on year. Uh, right? That's a remarkable um, uh, increase from a major slot supplier. So the possibility is there to grow uh, if Evolution can get it right with uh, new games, more aggressive account management. And perhaps there are other. Uh, points there as well yeah i think i think all good points made there pierre um and you can kind of you know you can see where where lars um is coming from in that you know when when a company sort of smashes every metric and is absolutely ruthless in its you know um operations and efficiency like it's quite easy to single out but the one thing in in the book that isn't um up to scratch but you know, you say, does it does it even matter that it's not a success? Well, I would say ask the evolution management team that they're not going to be happy about this at all, um, because it shows. You know, this is the first time they've looked to diversify 
outside of live casino. And and if that's a failure, then uh, then I think we're right to to sort of ask questions of uh, of that strategy. Right, but it, and it does to the risk profile as well of the company. Uh, right, I mean they um, currently. Obviously, Evolution have more or less a monopoly on live casino. Certainly in the United States, they have a monopoly on live casino currently. And in Europe, they are you know, by far the preferred supplier uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, how much more can they grow on live? Uh, and uh, you know, this has been a question for many, many years, right? It's like people say, is SEO dead? It's like a typical meme uh, that people are always saying, like, how much more can Evolution grow on live? And then they constantly you know, overperform and do much better than what people think. Uh, but uh, it doesn't discount the fact that uh, Evolution today are uh, surviving off of this kind of one segment of the, of the market and being able to, uh, to, to diversify that revenue mix um, into a, a different segment as well of the market in RNG is also important uh, to, to feel more comfortable to sleep better at night as an investor, for sure. Yeah. Nico, I don't know about you, but I've been listening to Pierre speak today and him saying about how he gets up early to read the reports before anybody else. So, in other words, before they were cool. He's also got his hair in this new, uh, new man now. I think he's trying to become the ultimate hipster of, uh, of online gambling. What do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> First of all, he always has been the sunshine. Well, he always has been the sunshine. And I was lucky enough you know, to do the Dynamic Duo show with him for quite a while. So I was always kind of gaining a little bit of this uh, sunlight as well. But uh, joke, jokes aside, jokes aside a little bit. Um, and touching down on the um, evolution numbers, first of all, uh, you know, we are speaking about big numbers um, uh, as well. And of course, they have a, a little bit of a, of a drawback of roughly, if I'm not mistaken, 4.1% in revenue of our uh, RNG game compared to the last quarter. But on a year-on-year -year basis, they still increase by more than uh, 11% um, with a total revenue amounting up to 70 million uh, in Q1. So um, if I'm not mistaken, they still made a lot of money uh, just on their RNG games. But as already pointed out by, uh, by, by, by Pierre, we don't know for sure uh, on which kind of um, <clears throat> games and providers uh, this is based and did they actually turn uh, around one of their acquisitions? But one thing is for sure, uh, they are they they obviously did the trick and found the magic mojo and source on how to run a live casino segment. And I'm pretty sure, although uh, a lot of their competitors are trying hard to actually catch up with them, they just outperform each and everybody in the live casino segment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it should also be added that, uh, you know, the PE ratio of evolution today is a lot more realistic than what it was in 2021, in kind of April 2021, when the share price peaked and we saw PE ratios of like 70 to 75 and stuff like that. Now we, we see a PE ratio of around 30, uh, which, uh, which seems more reasonable. Obviously, evolution is a growth company and um, there isn't really anything, you know, even, even though they... Uh, as kind of to Laura's point, even though uh, they, they aren't really able to grow the RNG segment so far, they also don't really have anything in the negative column uh, in the sense of is there anything, is there any sign of a slowdown? Is there any, is there any, like, is there any kind of anything that's speaking against evolution uh, on, the, on the live segment? And there isn't really anything that is clear today. If we look at any report in the last 
couple of years uh, for sure in evolution. And if we look at the, at the industry and its entirety, that speaks against uh, the life side of evolution today. Uh, so it seems to be a very stable company, and we can see that in the in the financial uh, numbers, of course, that they are just steadily, steadily growing. Uh, we always make this joke that you know evolution they don't really they don't even mention all time high in their report because they break all time high every single report in terms of revenue, and it's been like that for you know as long as they have existed more or less. Um, they they are just a machine, right? It's a predictable company predictable um, uh, revenue increases each quarter and they just keep delivering and delivering. But then, uh, but then as Phil points out there in the comment as well, you know, RNG segment is where they, it, it's, uh, it seems to be kind of in the back seat right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't agree with, with everything in Phil's comment there, uh, saying it's the easiest job ever to, to work for Evolution. But I think that the, the, the line that says Evo are managing RNG like they are too busy for RNG, you know, there might there might be some truth to that in terms of their relentless focus on uh, on live casino. Um, but PA, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, you mentioned all-time high revenues there. And one company that uh, does like to say that they've reached a new all-time high uh, is Betson. Uh, who managed that milestone again um, in Q1 of 2023 with revenue of 222 million? Um, this is a fascinating company. Uh, of, obviously, we, we love discussing them. And um, just to throw back to Katie's question earlier about the the differences between um, Betson and, and Kindred, I think you know culturally they're they're worlds apart, um, as you can see from their kind of appetite for uh gray or emerging markets compared to to kindreds because um i think we've got a graphic here uh, a pie chart of betson revenues by by region for you and uh central and eastern europe and central asia make up almost half of of q1 revenue uh 42 there at 93.5 million euros and that was also the highest rate of growth um in any region at 75 percent increase year on year so we can see where their revenue is coming from and um i think while kindred was around 81 percent regulated mix i think betson was was in the 30s um but you know look at how their finance is performing com compared to kindred's um what are your thoughts guys yeah, I mean, something I find interesting, I'm, I'm looking at the report now because I want to see kind of in these, you know, 42% revenue from uh, from uh, yes, Central Eastern Europe and Central East Asia or however you uh, you pronounce it, but let's call it, let's call it Asia. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously a massive, massive part of the revenue stream. And that's when it's, uh, it's kind of a little bit kind of a revenue a part of best of revenue they don't really like to talk too much about um and looking at the uh, the report as well the, it's a short paragraph about this revenue uh, they talk about uh, how croatia and greece has showed continued positive trends uh, georgia has positive has showed positive trends um estonia positive trends but this obviously does not tell uh, the the full uh, kind of uh, idea here of, of, of what is behind that revenue growth and as you point out uh, Jake, the, the um, risk appetite uh, within Betson is, is quite high, of course. Um, yeah. And uh, much of these revenues are derived from 
uh, markets that are certainly not uh, regulated uh, for sure. But nonetheless, yeah. um, Betson is, uh, is uh, performing extremely well. And uh, like always, uh, they have they, they hit the nail on its head when they chose to enter the Latin American market rather than the North American market uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, it's, they seem to be growing in, in all uh, sub-markets there in Latin America as well, which is kind of the, the story of this report as well. Uh, Pontus Lindvall is obviously at the helm of, of Betson and he's delivering quarter after quarter. Um, the fact that they, they, they kept Pontus Lindvall uh, and that he saved himself uh, through, uh, through his parents uh, that are major shareholders in, in the company when, uh, when um, part of the board wanted to kick him out. Uh, you know, it's uh, clearly paid dividends and, um, uh, you know, it can just say hats off to, to Betson. It's a, it's, a, it's a great report. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for all those differences, there are still quite big similarities between Kindred and Betson as well. Um, obviously, they both have Norway as a bit of a headache at the moment and, and have lost revenues from there. Um, but also, you mentioned the US, neither of their US strategies have worked at all. Um, you know, Kindred entered on a kind of B2C um, format that's not worked at all. Uh, and Betson entered on, on a B2B format, trying to sell its um, sportsbook solution to, to sports betting operators in the US. Um, I think they went live. So they themselves are their only client as it stands. They went live in March of last year sort of with the plan to advertise the, the platform to other clients uh, and they've not managed to sign one yet. So you could say that they've, um, you know, failed in the US as well. Um, but the biggest thing between those two companies is that is, is the Netherlands, where Kindred's been able to basically re-enter on a, on a regulated basis and carve out a kind of market-leading share as it had before, whereas Betson still doesn't have a license. Um, right, they're still waiting potentially... for a license in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's yeah right. exactly. Yeah, and, and, and now they face, face this situation of potentially having to re-enter that market when there's an advertising ban as well from the 1st of July. So they're going to enter the market without their customer base from before and without the ability to market any of their products outside of digital marketing. So, you know, they've, they've pretty much lost the Netherlands altogether, you would argue. And uh, I asked Pontus this morning whether, you know, whether they were tempted to just withdraw that Netherlands application altogether. And um, he paused for a very long time, even for Pontus. I thought my screen had frozen. Um, but he eventually said, uh, no, we're, we're still ongoing with that application and, and we'll wait to see what happens. But that's, that's yeah, uh, another major drag for them, I think, is how long this process has taken to, to get back in, in the Netherlands. Absolutely. And as a final point as well, I mean, Betson has been performing extremely well on the, on the stock market um, in, the, in, the, in the last uh, couple of years, even during this kind of like slowdown on the, on the market. Uh, they are now at an all-time high as a share price, I think. No, not all-time high. They are, I mean, if you look back like eight years, they are like on, on, a, on an all-time high since, you know, 2015 was the last time they, they saw a higher share price. But they, nonetheless, they have been just performing extremely well in the last couple of years. Um, uh, the last few quarterly reports have certainly shown that. Again, it's the uh, kind of the revenge of uh, Pontus. He's, he's back and he's angry and he's uh, here to prove everyone wrong. And he and, and definitely his mother is very proud of him, as we point out too. Yeah, and he's a super fashionable individual as well, Nico. He'd be he'd be proud of that shirt that you're uh, that you're wearing today. <laughs> <I think. laughs> yeah, I was just looking for the bento. 
I was just waiting for the end, so all good. But, um, you know, um, um, as each and everybody of you knows, um, uh, uh, a person pretty close to me, as he belongs to the family, uh, René Janssen is running the KSA uh, over there in the Netherlands. So if Pontus just wants to proceed with his application, yeah, just ask Pierre for my number and uh, I will make things happen. No worries. Yeah, you can phone in a few favours. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff nico um awesome to have you on today thank you so much uh, as always i'm sure you'll be back with us next week and um, pierre brilliant to see you um on the stream as well thank you so much to everybody that's commented as well it's been a lively chat section today uh lars phil katie um alexi everyone that's commented you know you've been keeping it going for us so thank you very much um and of course finally last but not least to our to our main sponsors, Playson, and uh, also to Yolo Group. Any final words, gentlemen? Before we before we go. All right. Uh, I think as I just like a super short uh, comment on on Cambi as well, who reported uh, as well, is that uh, I was really surprised actually that Cambi's share price after that report decreased by like twelve percent, uh, although it recovered a little bit since then. Uh, but um, Cambi has uh, is uh, being pretty clear on the fact that uh, you know they. They, uh, they are setting out this new strategy for, for themselves. And obviously the numbers are a little bit difficult to kind of dig into and, and to understand a little bit more. They, they are increasing revenue, but they're decreasing uh, their EBITDA. Um, so actually the revenue growth is like 19% uh, uh, quarter on quarter to, uh, to, to last year, which is really positive. But then they are, they are mentioning that uh, EBITDA, uh, the, the, the decrease in EBITDA is due to kind of one-off costs and stuff like that and it seems that they are uh, that they are developing the kind of AI tools and um, they are the only report by the way in this four that mentions the word AI and someone was joking about evolution and that um, Martin Collison had, has missed the AI train and that's why the, the stock was not doing that well today but I don't know how, <laughs> how much truth there is behind that but, but in any case I, I just wanted to uh, kind of uh, point out Cambi as well as a, as a report that, uh, in my opinion, was one of those reports I thought was going to be a good report, but then the markets just totally punished it. But yeah, anyway, it's been a great, uh, great session here, Jake. So thank you so much for having me on again. No, absolute pleasure. And you should know by now, Pierre, uh, better than to try and second guess the stock market. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there'll be more results next week for you to for you to try and improve. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Step into the Mediterranean haven of Malta. Crystal clear waters, ancient ruins, and towering cliffs. The iGaming industry is converging in Malta to take on everything from green courses, the hottest tournament tables, courts, lanes, and of course, the UNESCO city of Valletta for iGaming Next 2023. A week-long festival experience rounding up with the biggest high-end European pool party, showers, Celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Join over 4,000 senior delegates and top affiliates from all around the world alongside industry giants for an unforgettable iGaming Festival week. iGaming Next 2023. Contact our sales team for sponsorship opportunities.